Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Hey there, I'm Norm and this is the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast. And on this episode, I'm going to talk about some games of late. I will have a look at what's trending, what's new, and what's on the crowdfunding scene. And it's time for some reviews and I'm going to do a four review card game series of Canvas, Anomia, Cockroach Poker, and Point Salad. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They are the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. Hey, let's get right to it. It's time for some games of late. And uh, had the opportunity on uh, Gamer's Garage Night, our, our regular weekly board game session with Jeff from Amazing Stories Comics and uh, Dave and Jordan from Board on the Air. Uh, regular contributors to What You've Been Playing Wednesday. Have a listen. And uh, it was Jordan's pick. And he picked Champions of Hara or Hera. And uh, designed by Walter Barber, Ian Van Nest, and Andrew Zimmerman, and published by Greenbrier Games. And uh, this was, Jeff had mentioned this one a couple years ago, and because uh, it, it came out in, let's see here, do, 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 2018. And, uh, and he, he was, like, he had an engaged uh, um, uh, uh, dialogue of, you know, what he thought of the game. And let's just kind of explain it quickly. You are uh, basically a bunch of uh, um, magic users, kind of uh, uh, rift jumpers kind of thing. And uh, the game board are hex, uh, uh, like hex patterns of a hex pattern inside, like nine hexes within a, a cardboard of a hex pattern. Because there's all of these areas and these basically uh, hex pattern areas represent... Um, spheres and there's six spheres and one dojo in the middle and what it is you can play cooperative campaign but we played competitive and uh, it was a matter of kind of a race to get three tracks to the top and uh, those three tracks represent you know the the kind of mana power I guess and uh, that's what you're trying to collect as you're doing um, let's say closing rifts or fighting monsters or uh, encountering events. If you can uh, uh, meet these challenges, then you up these tracks. And also, uh, you may uh, um, influence, <laughs> take that, the, the tracks of other people. Because if you go to attack them and reduce their hit points to zero, because there's another track, hit points, and then there's another status track, which is kind of like 
a, a glory esteem kind of, you know, another track, a Euro thing, right? Um, and, uh, but if you reduce the person uh, to zero uh, and, you know, kill them, they're not out of the game. They just go back to the dojo. They have to, uh, I think the penalty is uh, remove uh, two of their specialty uh, um, uh, items from those three tracks that you're trying to collect you know, kind of give them a, a hit in this race to the top. And uh, how you do it, it's caught. Now, this is the really cool part is what I uh, enjoyed about it is everybody has their own kind of unique deck to their unique character. And I got to say right out of the gates, it I was frustrated because it took me, oh man, three quarters of the game to figure out how this guy was working because I was watching everybody else do their thing and they're doing some crazy stuff, but mine was not as crazy. But once I found out how it worked properly, it was a very efficient uh, character and uh, in regards to movement and being able to get places where it needs to be rather than, you know, tough and brawny. Um, so let's rewind. I start out with these uh, uh, standard, I think it's five cards. And uh, it's very cool because there's a top and a bottom on this. And um, how it works is that when it's in your hand, you play it to the table and, and you know, uh, play the action on the card. And they're very cool, uh, specific to the theme to the character that you're playing. Uh, now, how, the, how this also, I think it's on your turn, you get to do three actions. Yeah. And um, so another action is uh, that you can take the card off the board. And that is the reverse, like the underside, right? Because the card's vertically split half and half and there's a top and bottom. And uh, so it's, uh, I think it's called off the board. And uh, so I was so uh, dialed into how uh, clever that was um, in regards to how you could play your hand and, you know, repeat some actions and just work on a couple card cycles. Uh, What also happens is on your three tracks that I had mentioned, the the blue, green, and the yellow. I can't remember what the theme names are, but you know, it's a Euro. Um, there are thresholds. Uh, at, at the track goes from zero to 10, and at the threshold of five, you get to, uh, I didn't talk about it because now I'm going to, uh, there's a side deck that when you hit certain achievement points, you get of a certain color, you get to go into your um, source deck and select between, like, let's say I, I, I ring the bell at five on the green track. Well, there's two green cards in there, and I can decide, okay, which one is going into my hat, okay? Um, and at the 10 interval, you get to um, activate one of your um, uh, second card of that area. So you can, you can kind of thicken up your deck uh, and, uh, and, you know, get those good cards, because once those cards come in, of course, they're more powerful and have a more dynamic uh, synergy with the other cards if you can get them into your hand. Uh, so yeah, like I said, this was a race and uh, how it finished out. And I was, like I said, I was frustrated until I figured it out because I was, and this is all on me. I was looking at it as if it was kind of like a, you know, um, uh, players on a map, right? A kind of army skirmish game, but it wasn't. It was a more dynamic uh, um um, asymmetrical character uh, race uh, and once I figured that out um, bottom line at the end of it all I, I won but 
there will be an asterisk beside it because uh, uh, what's the term called? Yeah, Dave participated in some king making. <laughs> but here's the funny here's the funny part because Jordan, who uh, it was his pick and he brought the game to the table, had said also uh, this is one of those games that whoever's you know in the lead or whoever's got you know really high numbers on their tracks, everybody kind of chips away at them. Well, guess who was leading the whole game? It was Jordan. So once this happened, there was sort of there was there was some how shall I say some scorn looking. <laughs> but of course, the answer was well, that's what you said we should do. Okay, so I mean, I would be upset too, of course. Uh, but yeah, to to come back to it, um, I'd totally play this game again. It was a fun game. Um, that was uh, wrapping it up again. Uh, uh, Where's that title? Champions of Hera uh, came out 2018, designed by Walter Barber, Ian Van Nest, Andrew Zimmerman, and published by Greenbrier Games. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. One quick other game I want to talk about is uh, uh, I kind of, it was one of those things where I'm at Amazing Stories, I'm looking at the, 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 the new games, and this kind of popped at me. I had never seen it before, never heard of it, but for some reason my brain went, hmm, that's interesting. And uh, it's called Small Railroad Empires. And before I get into it, uh, it's Arcona Games is the publisher, and this specific game uh, is designed by Milan Tasservsky. I hope I said that properly. My apologies if I didn't. Um, and it's a it's a it's a take on the the Tiny Epic games, right? How the methodology, the design methodology of Tiny Epic is, it's got to fit in this dimension box because that's their set, right? Um, so, and they do a great job at it. They're very innovative and creative on how they can compress such a large footprint game in a small box. Well, the Small Empires uh, kind of series is doing the same thing. Um, in this case, Small Railroad Empires is a kind of 18xx game where it's a networking pickup and delivery, uh, trains, transportation, that whole thing. And um, I, I've played this solo a couple times, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a little bit more work, right? Because I think there's something cool there. And uh, they, as I mentioned before, they also have um, other games that are developing slowly in this series. And one is uh, Small Star Empires and Small Samurai Empires. So, um, you know... Color me curious. I want to have a deeper look. And the uh, I think the Small Star Empires already has an expansion. Let's have a quick look here. I believe that's an expansion. Um, Galactic Warlords Battle for Dominion. That looks like a different game. So yeah, this is a, a company that I'm going to pay a little more attention to. So 
Yeah, like I said, it's small railroad empires. Uh, it's, it's like a hex um, map that you put together of terrain. And uh, it's, yeah, it's your, your pickup and delivery uh, set collecting to a certain point because you're, you have uh, engine cards. And it's clever how they came up with it and, and tightened it up. Now, it it's, doesn't have that same depth that an 18xx game that is eight hours long would have. No, of course not. But um, it's a, it's a, I think it's a righteous flavor. So there you go. Um, I'm very curious on checking out the other games. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do some homework, which means I'm gonna go buy them somewhere. <laughs> If you like the content we're creating and the podcast episodes we're producing, please leave a happy rating on the podcast platform that you use. This would be such a great gift and would also help others find our podcast when they search for board game podcasts. And if you have the time, check out our new YouTube channel where we have new content every few days. Just search Cardboard Conjecture on YouTube. Thanks, eh? All right, let's get going to see what is uh, trending, new, and on the crowdfunding scene. So the uh, the first thing I want to talk about, which is trending, and uh, I'm glad it's trending because it's uh, from Leader Games, and it's a theme that I love, which is uh, space. And uh, so this, yeah, I'm talking about ARCs. Uh, 2023 plays three to four players. See, for me like the solo, but I'm still going to talk about it because I want to learn about it right now. Uh, it goes 60 to 90 minutes, and uh, it is designed by Cole Worley. And if you know Cole Worley, uh, uh, Root and uh, and the um, Pax Pamir and uh, uh, the right away, I'm like, John Company. Okay, there you go. Uh, so quite uh, not heavy, but... Um, deep and wide in regards to their thematic content and the mechanisms and and just play style right um so let's get uh, into some description here in arcs three to four players guide their factions through a fast playing space opera that unfolds over a trio of 60 to 90 minutes sessions the game opens in the final days of a decaying empire Players take the role of the last regents of a once-proud state that stretched to the farthest worlds of the Reach. Faced with an encroaching blight that threatens the outer planets, players must balance the integrity of their homelands with their own ambitions. ARCS uses an innovative card-driven action system that is easy to learn and highly interactive. Players, can give, uh, players are given hands of action cards each turn and must balance their desire to control the game's tempo against their own interests. Should you use the initiative to seize control of a critical new technology or reposition your fleets for a coming engagement? When players do trade blows, the battles are resolved in a snap using a simple dice system. However, combat's interaction with the large action system offers players a wide range of tactical options from multi-turn sieges to daring raids and dramatic escapes. Players begin the game in roughly symmetrical positions, which helps new players learn the core systems quickly. However, 
Their choices will soon cause their paths to diverge. Unearthing an ancient technology might make the restoration of the empire possible. A chance discovery on a blighted world might lead a player to abandon their wealth and begin a voyage across the reach to right an ancient wrong. Each choice will advance the game's story and form part of an emergent player-driven campaign. Many of these choices are resolved in a special intermission between games. During this phase, new rules modules are activated and players are introduced to new capabilities and objectives. Despite their similar starting positions, by the end of the campaign, players might control factions as varied as any in root or vast. Players will also use the intermission to spend their hard-earned power to maintain their fleets and wealth, as well as invest in new improvements that may aid uh, them in the coming age. The campaign system of ARCs provides players with a huge number of possible game situations and hundreds of possible campaigns. In addition, ARCs also includes an abridged two-session campaign and a single-session mode. Wow! Um, as far as, okay, so that, I, I'm, as I'm reading it in my head, I'm thinking, oh yeah, I'll be picking this thing up. <laughs> um, it talks about, as far as mechanisms goes, uh, action points, area movement, uh, it, there seems to be like a battle card driven system, dice rolling. Uh, yeah, so I'm in because another th criteria that checked off the box here is the artist for this is Kyle Farron of Root Fame. And uh, so visually pleasing, yeah, big check off that box. Um, as far as the, uh, an intelligent game system, Cole, Cole Worley, check off that box. Um, and Leader Games, I think, are such a solid company in regards to um, like having that groove that they're in right now and, 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 and being good at it, right? And they are. They're very good at uh, this idea of asymmetry card-driven uh, concepts. Um, yeah, I, it's okay. So it's trending for a reason because I'm all about it. Guide your faction through a fast-playing space opera, it says. Wonderful. I am in for that, hands down. And now let's look at what's new, at least to the market. Maybe not to our, but yeah, I'm talking big Canadian joke. We'll see that in about a month or two. No. <laughs> um, uh, I, uh, I'm quite interested in this new game called Dice Realms. And uh, the tagline is expand, upgrade, and feed your realm of customizable dice. Beware, winter is coming. <laughs> Yeah, welcome to Saskatchewan, eh? <laughs> it's designed by Tom Thomas Lehman of Race for the Galaxy fame and published by Rio Grande Games. Now, I've heard people talk about this. I have no idea what it is about. So, um, let's uh, have a quick description. So, in Dice Realms, players vie to improve and expand their realms represented by customizable dice with faces that can be popped out and upgraded for better ones. Yay, I'm all about that. Each game is different as during setup, players draw five tiles from a bag of 35 to determine which extra dice faces will be available beyond the five standard lines of faces. Lands are victory points, farming grain, commerce coins, settlement defense, and progress upgrades. Each player begins with two identical dice and can gain more dice during play in addition to upgrade, upgrading their standard dice. 
plays mostly simultaneous to begin players roll their dice with one player rolling the fate die, which affects all players. If winter appears on the fate die, players must pay one grain for each die they own or take a two-point misery chip for each grain they lack. Yay, that's, uh, that's very Martin Wallace of you. <laughs> players may then re-roll one of the die for free and use any re-roll or set a die tokens that allow you to choose the die face result that they have previously invested in future uh, uh, further if in for further control um so to i mean i could carry on there's a bit more um so, yeah so far this to me sounds like all of the cool stuff that i like about uh the kind of roll and write games but this way you you get to customize the dice that you're rolling for your yeah i am i am all about that um the the variability big fan of the variability and now in this case because I always joke that dice hate me. Um, there's there's no ones in this, so maybe this is the game for me. Hmm. I'm gonna have to go check that out. Uh, once again, that's Dice Realms, uh, designed by Thomas Lehman and published by Real Grand Games. I'm curious, uh, which means I'm probably gonna go buy it. Let's have a quick look at the crowdfunding scene before we uh, we get to some reviews. And uh, this, you know what? I want to talk about this again. I talked about this before. I think it was in uh, um, one of our one of our cool uh, cardboard cohort discussions. But uh, this one is resist. Lead a band of resistance fighters as they try to take back their homeland. And it is designed by Trevor Benjamin, Roger Tankersley, and David Thompson, and uh, published by Salt and Pepper Games. And uh, I had the opportunity to uh, have a great chat with David Thompson, and we talked about this. And uh, I mean, instead of me kind of blathering, I'll give you the, 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 the intro description tag and then, and then go from there. So, Spain, 1936, General Franco and his troops advanced through the territories of Spain, giving way to a long period of civil war and repression. After the Spanish Civil War, a group of loyalists to the Republic continued the armed struggle, forming resistance groups better known as Maquis. Hidden in the mountains, these men and women risked their lives to defend the ideals of democracy and freedom. Fighting against them were the army of Franco, the civil guard, and the armed police, but the Maquis perfected their guerrilla warfare in France during the Second World War and were determined to take back their homeland. In the head of each Maquis, resonates the echo of the desire of many compatriots resist um yeah the first thing that really appealed to me is it's a solo game one player that's what i said one player um uh yeah uh the the art looks great um my first glance at this it, it drives me to the art style of that era where there's um kind of muted colors and not a not a you know a uh, uh, very wide palette of depths of colors, but very kind of generalized patterns of colors. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, that kind of World War II, you know, th 30s, 40s era um, style kind of newspaper art. Um, I think that may, for the, maybe for the three people that understand what I'm talking about, they're thinking, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So, um, I can't, I mean, if you want to hear us get into deep, I would say go back and check out uh, the 
the uh, designer series episode with with David uh, David Thompson, and uh, yeah, we kind of get in really cool on on how this happened and how it came to be. But uh, I'm a big fan of how he and and Trevor Benjamin have been using their their card driven systems with the Undaunted um, series of games. So yeah. Yeah, big fan. Can't wait to see it hit the shelves. Um, I will own a copy of this, for sure. I'm making space on my shelf for it right now. This episode is supported by the incredible team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team to ensure their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Board Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. And welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm, and we're going into some reviews. And uh, I'd like to start the review process with uh, what a gorgeous game. A game called Canvas, which came out in 2021, designed by Jeff Chin and Andrew Nerge. And it's published by Road to Infamy Games. And this is one of those games where I must mention the artist, uh, and I can, hopefully I can pr- uh, pronounce it properly, uh, Luan Hun. Oh, I, I, oh, I'm so sorry if I completely, you know, messed it up. But I will not mess up the fact that this art is gorgeous. Um, every element has the same attention to detail and attention to it being a unique item that when you put all of these together, it's just such gorgeous depth and connectivity, right? Uh, but we'll get that off. You know, I'm already stepping into opinions. This is going to be really short. No. <laughs> um, so let's, yeah, let's get through this process uh, of uh, what we, what, what I like to do for the um, uh, uh, review format and uh, get those game details out of the way. Now let's get to the overview and the nuts and bolts of the game. And I always like to read the description provided by the publisher because they're the ones that know this game uh, in depth. So here we go. In Canvas, you play as a painter competing in an art competition. Players will collect art cards, layering three of them together to create their own unique painting. Each card contains a piece of artwork as well as a set of icons used during scoring. Icons will be revealed of or hidden based on the way players choose to lay the cards, making for an uh, exciting puzzle (laughs) and excruciating too. Uh, Paintings are scored based on a set of scoring cards, which will change each game. Once players have created and scored three paintings, the game ends. On your turn, you may take an art card or make a painting. Art cards are selected from a row of cards in the center of play. Each of these cards has a cost associated with their position. After selecting uh, an art card, you must pay its cost by placing an inspiration token on each of the cards to its left. If you do not have enough inspiration tokens, you may not select that card. Any tokens on the card you have selected are kept for future turns. The far left card costs no inspiration tokens to take. If you have three or more art cards, you may choose to take a painting. 
select three of your art cards, arrange them in any order, and then score them by comparing the visible icons on your painting to the scoring conditions. Once all players have made three paintings, the game ends. The player with the most points wins. And it is that, that simple, right? Right? Now, the publisher dis publisher's description did a great job on uh, giving you the roundabout of everything about this game and uh, what you're doing and how to do it. Um, so, um, let's get to that concept of uh, how do you win this game. And it's back to that points thing. And the condition cards uh, are four um, cards that you select from a pile of cards that identify scoring conditions. Maybe there's pairs, maybe there's uh, a balance of one of each symbol, maybe there's only a certain number, right? A minimalist, only a certain number of symbols. So there's all these different scoring conditions and and uh, what happens is when you score your car, when you're painting, when you, when you and that's the, the great part, when I get into game systems, I'll talk about how smooth it is, but when you decide to make a painting, when you score it, um, you get a ribbon for it, right? Um, or in certain cases, you might get two ribbons if you've um, scored the maximum conditions of that card. Um, now, the ver that to me, that's just great variability because you have such a, a wide range of scoring conditions. Now, what I've learned <laughs> playing this game is you cannot, like if you're trying to be like a, an efficiency specialist and try to like get a little bit of everything, you're going to have a migraine <laughs> but we'll get to that later um so yeah that's how you do it now once you score once you, you know first of all once you score for ribbons the paintings that you've painted at the end of the game each of those uh, uh criteria cards uh, on the bottom has uh the the victory point conditions in regards to if you have one ribbon this is how many points you get if you have two ribbons this is like if you have one ribbon you get two points if you have two ribbons you get five points if you have three ribbons you get nine points that kind of that kind of scenario right and there are four different colors that are based on these uh different scoring conditions so um and of course there's a wild idea that uh in these icons Sometimes their uh, icon is either replaced or paired up with a bonus scoring condition, a little gray ribbon where it says that if you have, let's say, one of the, the, the four um, uh, qualities, uh, you know, um, the, the tone, um, if you have one of those, you get a, a gray ribbon. If you have two of those, you get two gray ribbons. Those things can be used as... Uh, a bow, a wild cards when you go into scoring situations if you want you know if I had three ribbons I would get this big payout well that gray ribbon can be a wild and once used it's used so that's basically how you um, how you make uh, win the game and make your points now let's get straight to some opinions because there are going to be some some uh, all over the board opinions wise uh, so I always start from the outside in and the outside of the box is fantastic because it's made to look like a painting because on the back side, the, on the back side looks like the back side of a, of a, uh, um, a uh, what do they call it? a stretched canvas, right? Um, now, you, this is also unique. It's a game where instead of you pull the lid off the box, you slide a sleeved tray out and the... Uh, market board is a beautiful uh, cloth board that rolls out, and that's where you put the uh, the see-through cards um, onto this market. And also on the top, there are positions and colors representing the four um, scoring conditions of that match. 
Now, um, yeah, the, the, the box is just so uh, uh, gorgeous to look at. And you, you definitely want to, you're curious as to what's inside this thing. And so, yeah, let's get it. Once it's inside, let's talk about components. Uh, the, the, the best component that, I mean, it's like, let's just talk about the obvious, the see-through cards. Uh, first time I saw this, not played it, but first time I saw it was Mystic Veil. And then uh, that same publishing company came up with a game. I can't remember the title, but uh, Ryan had it and we played it. And uh, I thought it was a great idea on this idea of, of building a card. Right in Mystic Vale, apparently you build these cards and they have multiple powers and they're very uh, asymmetrical in in the you know the way they can be designed. Now I thought this was such a cool idea, um, uh, implemented in such a unique theme where it it just it made such logical sense or it made such creative sense. Um, now the there's nothing um, I, I'm going to jump into game systems right away, but I'll get there. Um, so yes, the acetate cards are the feature of this thing, right? Um, there are cardboard components, and they're great, right? The little punch outs for the ribbons and so on and so forth. Um, I really like and appreciate the canvas uh, board because um, it's it's just another quality of how unique this game is to uh, separate itself from the others. So okay, well let's move on. We, uh, we talked about the box, we talked about the, uh, the, the art and the gorgeous components. Um, and of course, that gorgeous art carries on into each individual card because how it works is um, when, when you pick up this card, you're not just looking, I mean, yes, you're looking for the, the pattern matching uh, in relationship to the scoring conditions, but there's also a, a, a gorgeous um, creative process of when you're building this image, there's all these smaller, unique, beautifully illustrated um, objects and designs and individuals that become part of your picture. And what I love too is there's a uh, on each card there's a front tab and a a, a left tab and a right tab um, above the the icons that have title generation. So it, it you could it's like a flip book depending on which one you reveal. The title of your painting, the two-word title, um, can change. And uh, again, such a, uh, um, an, an, a beautiful quality to, to this idea of creating art and uh, this ability to be part of that process. So that's components. I gushed all over the components. Yay, they're so awesome. Uh, rule book readability, layout learning curve. Um, wow, for such a, a, a gorgeous game with stunning art, the game like system, the simplicity in it, you either get a card from the market or you make a painting. And you can, when you make a painting, you must use three cards and you can only use three cards. And you have to layer them and put them in this sleeve, which is basically what holds your entire painting, and then you score it. Um, that's as easy as it is. When you uh, take a card from the market, um, as was de beautifully described in the uh, um, overview, um, f in, in the farthest position from the deck is uh, zero cost. Anything you want to go up from there, you have to put tokens down in order to push your way up the market and grab cards ahead of everybody else. Um, and of course, like when you do, you take one that has someone there, there's that economy that uh, regenerates. Uh, so yeah, as far as the game system, game style, uh, it's great. It's absolutely great. 
Um, and it's very familiar to even the newest of gamers. Um, so that's the best part about it. Um, unique mechanisms. Well, it's those cards and the sleeve and the layering and the way, non, not necessarily, because that's, I mean, people go, oh, that's not unique. But what's unique is the, the way that your brain goes into um, <laughs> don't bother me lockdown in regards to focusing so much on where do I put these 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 cards how do I layer what comes in front how can I score to all these conditions there it's it I turn into that whole beautiful mind thing with the imaginary formulas going off all over the place and trying to like map out what's the most efficient scoring if I do this I can score this much and uh I'm not usually a person that gets gets uh tripped up not necessarily tripped up but uh, put into paralysis uh, in regards to the decision-making process as much as this game does. Now, uh, it's not the same as Arboretum when you're, trying to, when you're trying to let go of that card that you discarded to your pile that is free for everybody to go and dumpster dive villainous opponents. <laughs> but that's that whole um, process of uh, I can't, I can't, decide and finally at least for me it's it's one of those okay fine i'll just put it you know like an artist okay i'm done painting it's finished just take it away because i'll keep picking at it and that's that that's that thing is you could pick at moving cards around and this one and that how does this one work and how does that one work and uh that's yeah to me it's so unique when there's a game that can put my uh my high speed uh attention brain into like park and pay attention to one task so beautiful now the best part does this all connect uh, I think it connects wonderfully um, the idea that you're taking these beautifully created artistic components and composing not necessarily being an artist but you're composing an image to represent a final canvas and the the idea of having um, the options like across the bottom there are four color positions or I mean five color positions and there are four elements plus the bonus element so there's all this random order going on and there's not necessarily you know in most cases there's only two um, color positions that have uh, uh, icons in them so there might be times where you don't have a card that does you have five cards but not one of them has a second position icon so, so there's a hole there and it's just it, it, there's sometimes where it's just painful it's it's like there's something missing in my life <laughs> but um yeah that's how much this connects is is you are uh, uh focused on composing creating the best and again if you're one of these uh efficiency mark uh you know victory points people um, this one's going to make your brain, um, go, you know, go into the vice grip there for a little bit. So yeah, my conclusion is, um, this game is definitely, uh, going to be part of my collection because it, uh, immediately appealed to my family. My wife loves this and it's have, we've repeated plays already, which to me is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like running around the house, you know, pumping the air going, yay, 
leave, right? You get to play more board games. Um, so the uh, that's for me. That's a win right there. D- does it matter to me if this is a top shelf game? Uh, I could put it in its own shelf called "These are the ones my wife likes." And that I get to play. So that's a unique, you know what? That's a unique shelf on its own. So I've just created a new one. (laughs) Stuff my wife likes and I get to play with, you know, my wife and my kids. So that is definitely on that shelf for sure. Um, And um, if if this is one of those games where uh, you just have fun putting things together and creating um, these, these, in, I would I was gonna say payout objects, but these um, these canvases that have to try and beneficially score with as many cards as you can, then this is totally the game for you. Um, uh, that's yeah, it, that's basically the gist of Canvas is it's gorgeous. It's as much brain crunch as you want to exert, and uh, it is absolute fun and joy to play. Uh, and that was designed by Jeff Chen and Andrew uh, Nerger, uh, uh, Road to Infamy Games. Now, let's get into the, uh, the fast run, <laughs> the Black Diamond course of uh, ripping off three fast card games. Because this is kind of the card game review uh, moment. And uh, let's have a quick look at our first one. Now, with these, before I get going, with these three, I'm not going to go into as much depth because uh, it's these are, I'm going to tell you right now, these have been in my collection for a while and they're going to stay in my collection and they have a rightful place in my collection. So let's get that out of the way. Um, now, let's get to the first one, Anomia or Anomia, depending on when you say it, um, designed by Andrew Eines. And published by Anomia Press, uh, at, I think part of Asmodee. Um, now, this is uh, one of those Mensa titles. Uh, I'll read the description and I'll, and I'll give you my opinion. So, uh, Anomia plays off the fact that our minds are positively brimming with all sorts of random information. Things to eat, pop, songs, websites, etc. Sure, under normal circumstances, it's easy to give an example of a frozen food or a dog breed, but you'll find that when your brain works a little differently under pressure. To play, draw and reveal a card from the center pile. Does the symbol on your card match one of another player's card? If so, you must quickly face off with the other player by giving giving an example of the person, place or thing on their card before they can do the same for yours. If you blurt out a correct answer first, you win their card, and the drawing continues. Sounds simple, right? Wrong. Wild cards allow uh, non-matching symbols to match, increasing the number of things to uh, to which you must pay attention. Cascading face-offs can occur when uh, when you hand over a lost card, thereby revealing a new top card on your play pile. Okay, so that's basically it. You keep revealing cards in front of people. There's going to be symbols on these cards, and there's going to be, like like it said, person, place, or thing on these cards. When the symbols match, if I'm, let's say I'm playing against Mel, my wife, and uh, we have two matching symbols, I have to immediately look at her card, read what it is, and give an example of it before she looks at my card, reads what it is, and gives an example for it. I use this game a lot when I teach psychology, 
and I, I teach this idea of brain activity and process speed. And um, also that, without getting deep into psychology, that tip of the tongue syndrome, right? It's just like, ah, it's right there. I just, oh, what's the word, right? Um, and uh, that, uh, I, I, I talk to them about, that is typical for some people, but the moment you put pressure and some stress and some anxiety of, of a, you know, a speed competition, then your recall narrows down to to like a, a small ability because uh, that's where the fun of this game happens is just watching people have like facial tics that have never popped up before pop up as they're trying to look up a word for an ice cream flavor <laughs> and they just sit there and shut down and twitch for a while. Um, it's so much joy at the table as like a party game. But like I said, um, I use this as a specific teaching tool in my psychology class with my students. And they love it so much that uh, even at lunchtime, they'll come in and they'll borrow it and they'll, they'll just play. And it's just so much, it's just so, uh, uh, um, so much joy to hear the laughter fill the room with this game. So yeah, wonderful. Um, that is Anomia or Anomia. Um, now the next one is uh, cockroach poker designed by Jacques Zymet. I'm so sorry if I mispronounced that and published by Dreg Mager Spiel. Now, uh, <laughs> cockroach poker came out in 2004. So this is an older card game. Uh, it plays two to six players, 20 minutes, ages eight and up, uh, the description and then the opinion and, uh, and some giggles about what this game is about. So, Cockroach Poker is a reverse set collecting game that has nothing to do with poker except that the game is all about bluffing with cards that show cockroaches, rats, and stink bugs. Uh, the goal is to force another player to collect four of any one type of critter. The deck includes 64 cards with eight copies of eight types of critters. To set up the game, shuffle the deck and deal the cards out to the players. All of them. On a turn, a player takes one card from their hand, lays it face down on the table, slides it to a player of their choice, and declares a type of critter. Example, this is a stink bug. The player receives the card. The player receiving the card either accepts the card, says either true or false, then reveals the card. If the player is wrong in their claim, they keep the card on the table in front of them face up. If uh, they are right, the player who gave them the card places it face up before them. That's one of the things that they can do when receiving a card. The other thing they can do is accept the card, peek at the card, then pass it face down to another player, either saying the original type of critter or saying a new type. This player again has the choice of, so the new player uh, has the choice of accepting the card or passing it unless the card has already been seen by all other players, in which case the player must take the first option of calling the bluff. Whoever lost a challenge and had to place the card before them on the table begins the next round. The game ends when, uh, when a player has no cards to pass on their turn or when a player has four cards of the same critter on the table in front of them. In either case, this player loses and everyone else wins. Okay, let's get some opinions about this game. Okay, one, this is another game that I use in psychology uh, in, in the idea of uh, uh, behaviorism 
and and ob- observing people's exterior behavior, uh, the idea of like um, reading tells, poker tells, that micro expressions, that whole that whole genre of psychology and and behaviorism. And uh, but the best part of this is how um, people transform when they're trying to sell you on anything. It makes me cry laughing sometimes uh, watching people completely change their decorum and behavior and vocal tone and, and body language. And it is the most amusing um, psychological contortion act I have ever seen. And it is, again, one of those games where there is just pure joy and riotous laughter that come off the table and uh that is the best part of this game is is having just that much fun um when you don't expect to so yeah there you go cockroach poker i encourage everybody to have a copy of this game this is such fun game and of course uh the best part for me having a teenage daughter is i get to <laughs> i get to um ahead of time know where all her tells are and to the point where she'll she'll she when we play this game she won't make eye contact with me and then I'll just I know where her little things are and I'll call her on it and she she'll look at me and go what is this sorcery and I just smile and go yeah that's called good parenting <laughs> Now this last one, I'm I'm pretty sure, maybe I'm not sure. I mean, I know it's been talked about before on the podcast. I don't know if it's been reviewed before, but if it has, well, you know what? It's so cool that I'm going to review it or it again one one more time. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about Point Salad, um, designed by Molly Johnson, Robert Melvin, and Sean uh, Stankiewicz, and published by um, Alder, uh, AEG. Plain and simple. And um, so, point salad. I'll get to the description and then uh, we'll get to some opinions because, again, good opinion. So, point salad is a fast and fun card drafting game for the whole family. There are over 100 ways to score points. Players may use a variety of strategies and every game of point salad is unique. Cards come in six different types of veggies and the back of each card has a different scoring method. So for instance, one scoring method may award two points for every carrot you have, but deduct a point for every onion. By drafting combinations of veggies and point cards that work for your strategy, you can amass the most points and win. That is pretty much it. Um, It is set up in a kind of tableau, uh, not tableau, but like a uh, card market where there's three rows and on the top of the row uh, is your deck of cards with the backs showing one of these scoring conditions and then below it um, are two flipped cards which represent the veggies and so you'll have you know uh, three three columns and then one two three four five six cards in this market you are able to either on your turn take one card of the scoring condition or two vegetable cards Now, when the cards are taken from the market, they're replenished by the deck at the top of its row. And if that row ever depletes, um, you basically go to the other decks, try to balance another three even piles, and then continue the process. The game ends when everything's gone. Um, This game plays, well, let's see what the designer says, 15 to 30 minutes. And they're absolutely right. 
Um, if you love set collecting games and you love uh, dynamic scoring conditions, this is totally the game that should be in your collection. Uh, uh, it, this, first of all, again, this is on the um, My Family Loves This Game shelf. And uh, it's one of those games that, first of all, you know, being, being teachers, apparently, you know, my wife and I are both teachers, and we always love to have the ability to, for our kids to work on their math. And this game does this hidden underneath scoring your points for your garden. I've never seen my daughter so eagerly put um, columns of numbers together in order to beat daddy. This, I love this game for that. Yay, thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, eat your veggies, do your math. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I super enjoy this game too because of, of the point, the idea that there's a hundred ways to score points. Um, and every game, you, you don't ever feel like you've been there before in regards to, oh, I've, I've done this pattern before. No, I've yet to like, you know, recognize that. So um, yeah, fantastic game. Absolutely. This must have game in your collection. So that once again is a point salad. Designed by Molly Johnson, Robert Melvin, and Sean Stankiewicz, and published by AEG. Um, we're at that point where I'm, I'm saying thank you so much for listening. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's been the fastest, uh, well, at least for me, review of four card games. And uh, so, that being said, I'm your host, Norm, and we'll catch you later. This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and you can find more about the podcast on Twitter at BC Board Gamers, and you can find the podcast on YouTube by searching Cardboard Conjecture, and on Board Game Geek Guild number 4045. If you wish to contact the podcast, you can email norm at cardboardconjecture.com. Thanks, eh?